0: All right, good morning, good morning. Let's turn to page uh, 982. The scripture reading today is from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. and see in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God.
1: So uh, I got a chance to do a Wednesday night right after Scott started sabbatical. And uh, I told him that night, I said, you know, one thing that sabbatical does uh, is it helps the congregation appreciate their pastor that much more. Well, I promise you, uh, you will appreciate him after this, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything. If, uh, if Christian books were still a thing like they were, say, 10 years ago, then we could, we could walk through one of these stores, and we could find these two verses on any number of items. Items like uh, t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, wall hangings, bookmarkers, and the like. And just to verify that, I went online and I found many of these items. I even found a a stepping stone for a garden that said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I bring this up not to to make fun of or criticize these things. Uh, I bring it up rather to show that we really do look to these verses for encouragement. In fact, what Paul is talking about here are two aspects of the Christian life that should interest every believer, and that is joy and peace. What's interesting to me, and I've I missed this for the longest time uh, looking at these two verses, that these are not suggestions that Paul gives the Philippian church. He doesn't say that, you know, you should really try hard to be joyful or you need to really work and not worrying. There's, there's none of that type of language here. So what Paul gives us actually are commands. And I have to believe that if Paul gives these to us as commands, that means that they really are within our reach. And we know they are because joy and peace are fruits of the Spirit. And as Christians, we know that the Holy Spirit resides in us. uh, So these should really be of encouragement to us. The thing is, though, when I first started preparing for this lesson... Encouragement was not what I uh, experienced at first. Now, the first thing that came to my mind was the feeling of, of conviction. It's been my experience that, that these two verses, these two commands, they look really good on paper or on a coffee mug, but there are times that I really struggle to take hold of them. And as far as conviction, I think, the main reason that I was convicted when I first read these is because of the magnitude of the language that Paul uses here. He says, rejoice always, not just when things are going good. And that's usually when it's very easy for me to rejoice. He says, no, always. He says, do not be anxious about anything, not even the things that I think I should be anxious about, or not not even the things the world tells me I should be anxious about. He says, no, not anything. And, man, I have to be honest. I hear, these, I hear these commands and these words, and I think, man, this seems so unrealistic at times. How, how can these sometimes absent fruits become a more uh, consistent part of my everyday life? That's the question. How, how does this happen? So, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say Rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So commentators take this word reasonableness, and they translate it into a calm or a steadiness. The NIV uh, inserts gentleness here, and that indicates to me that this is what a rejoicing heart looks like to the world around us. Steady, calm, and gentle. Now, before I get too far ahead, I want to clear one thing up—a uh, misconception out there. Back in the 80s, there was a, a, a guy named Bobby McFerrin. I don't know if you know who that is, but you know, some of you are laughing, so you know the song already. He wrote, "Don't worry, be happy." Yeah, uh, and in this song, he gives a list of problems, and his answer to every one of them is, "Don't worry, be happy." Here's here's a couple lines. Excuse the uh, the redneck version of this. Uh, it's pretty bad. He said, I ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlords say your rent is late. <laughs> he may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. So these are real problems, right? But this is not what Paul is talking about when he speaks about joy. Yes, we are, we're allowed to be happy, and we hopefully are happy a lot but we can cry and be sad and still have a deep abiding joy. We can and will go through trouble and we, and we will uh, and can experience joy. See, the world uses these two terms interchangeably. But in the Bible, it's just not the case. So I have a friend. His name is Garrett. He lives in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I've never met Garrett personally. Uh, we talk a lot on the phone. And uh, he knows I'm a, I'm a believer, and we've even had a couple pretty good conversations about Jesus. But most of the time, we're talking about work. And it doesn't take long in these conversations for me to start complaining. Right now, the hot topic as a salesperson is, is back orders. So our, our back orders are high, which means our sales numbers are low. And that affects our quotas, that affects our paycheck, and so we start griping about that. And then I might start griping about, you know, our company, the people in our company, or, or this or that. And, and it just go. it seems to go on and on. Well, the other day, I was, I was walking, getting some exercise, and, uh, and I was thinking about this lesson, and Garrett came to my mind. And I thought to myself, does Garrett perceive me as a joyful person? Does he get a sense of calm stability from me, or does he hear nothing but griping and complaining and backbiting? Now, I took it a little bit farther, and this one really scares me. Uh, if I had a tape recorder, and, and I told the group this morning, I said that I wrote that down, and that just shows how old I am because I don't think they make tape recorders anymore. So, so if I had something in my pocket that I could record with, and I recorded every conversation I had every day. When I played it back, what would I sound like? Would, would my words be seasoned with grace? Would, they, would I be able to classify myself as gentle? One thing I do pretty good, because I do have a lot of practice at this, is justify my lousy attitude. And in my heart, when I'm complaining, I'm really saying this. Paul, you don't understand how bad work is. You don't understand how bad the people are that I have to deal with. And you sure don't understand everything going on in my life right now. Except if we were to take this letter to the Philippians and read it, which we don't have time, we would see that first and foremost, Paul is in prison while he's writing this, right? He's in prison and, and possibly very close to the end to his execution he and his friends, they've been rejected by their fellow countrymen, the Jews. There's resistance in and outside the church from enemies. He's experienced financial hardship, and just before this passage, he's dealing with some some relational issues within the church. So, when I, in my heart, say, Paul, you don't really understand what I'm going through, that doesn't fly, because Paul gets it here. He gets it more. So, I have to think with all that Paul's dealing with in his life while he's writing this and all the stuff that I've got going on and you've got going on in your lives, how in the world can Paul command us? How can he say it to himself, rejoice always? So when I read a familiar passage, I'm often guilty of breezing through it, just blowing over it because it's familiar. And we'll do that here if we're not careful, but He gives us one little phrase that helps us here, and it's, the Lord is at hand. Now, the challenge with this for me is, is he doesn't say what that means. He doesn't explain what the Lord is at hand means. So, I looked at uh, a couple commentators, and one commentator said that it has to do with the second coming of Christ, that this is where we should gain our hope and our joy from. And that's that's true. Jesus is one day closer to coming back, and we can be excited about that, and we can find hope and joy in that. Another commentator said, well, it has to do with our union with Christ, that we are united to Christ, and that's where our hope and our joy in this world lands. And and there's no doubt that's true. And we're going to come back to both of these in just a minute. But I wonder if it's not more than one or the other. So to look at this, I want to move to another uh, epistle of Paul's, to Colossians. And uh, we're going to go to chapter three, and I'm going to read this slow if you don't have time to get there in your Bible, but Colossians three verses one through four, I think it's very helpful in what we're talking about. Paul writes this, "If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden." With Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, what Paul does here is he gives us just a taste of all the benefits that we have in Jesus, past, present, and future. And we're going to take just a second to look at each of them. We'll start with the past. And here's the deal when we placed our faith in Christ, something happened to us that can never be undone. We were, notice the language, we were raised with Christ. This is the reality of what happened the very moment we came into faith. To came to faith in Jesus. We were raised with Christ to newness of life. Paul moves to the present. And this is all I really want to say about this. Our life is hidden with Christ and God. And I have to ask, in this world today... Whatever you're going through, is there any better, more joyful place to be than in Jesus, hidden in Christ? Finally, Paul will go to the future, and he says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here's the deal. If you are a Christian, then Christ is your life. You are his. You are his. And one day, you will be with him. Now, this is just a hint of all that the Bible gives us concerning our salvation. And if all of this is true, and really so much more, if all of this is true, and, and our hearts and our minds are where Paul tells them to be, then how in the world can we not rejoice? How can we not be filled with joy? How can we not have a deep, abiding calm, a calm from, that comes from realizing that we are safe safe, and secure in Christ. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. But from here, Paul moves right into the next command. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. From the world's point of view, we have a lot to be anxious about. We have a lot of stuff to worry about. And all you have to do is open up a news app. And I'll tell you this, I'm convinced that this is what news apps want to do. They want us to worry. They want us to worry because they're filled with with, um, uh, all kinds of immorality, with political unrest. They're filled with uh, violence and hatred, and not to mention just the things we've been talking about just briefly, things that are going on in our own lives, right? We have all of this going on. And Paul's antidote for this worry for this anxiety, is something we should all be familiar with, and I hope we are, and it's prayer. Now, I, I don't have a problem taking my concerns to God in prayer, but it's mainly how I do it that's the problem. See, I'm very quick to approach God and start laying out my needs. Most of the time, it's with a thankless heart. And what that does is it puts me at the center of my prayers instead of fixing on God. Find it interesting, and you can go back and look at this. If you go to Romans chapter one, in verse twenty-one, Paul uses Paul characterizes an unbelieving, self-centered world in this way, and that is of not giving thanks to God. That's the world. So off I go, laying out my problems, not giving thanks to Him. So what should I be thankful for, and how does? Me being thankful calls me or helped me not to worry. So to help with this, I want to go to another epistle of Paul's. I want to go to Romans. We'll go to Romans eight twenty-eight and 29. And I'll read this again slowly so that you can drink it in as we go. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, again, we've got some of this all-encompassing language of Paul. What things? All things. Now, I know that some of us are going through some very difficult times right now, some more difficult than what others are facing. And it might be hard for you right now not to worry. I know I worry a lot. You can ask my wife. Um, and it might be even harder or impossible for you to be thankful right now. But here's what I want to think about. All things. So right here, right now, whatever you're dealing with that's difficult, whatever might be causing you sorrow or pain, whatever conflict you might be in or whatever's causing you to worry, think about that and stake your ground on this. That if all things, and Paul means here all things. If all things work together for our good, and that good is us moving closer and closer to Christ, both in communion and in likeness to him, then what do we have to worry about? And how in the world can we not be thankful? Our text promises us this. It says that if we come to God with our cares and with a thankful heart, the peace of God, the peace that Paul says surpasses all understanding. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the key. We cannot miss that last phrase, in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel, that in Christ, by faith in Christ, we are forgiven and are at peace with the Father, and nothing, not one thing can change that. Listen to these words of comfort from from Jesus in John 10, 28. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands so i ask again is there any more safe secure place to be today than in christ so i was struggling with how to bring this thing home uh (laughs) i wrote it probably 20 times (laughs) if not more all right Uh, you know in trying to end a lesson like this, you want to, you you hope to have something mind blowing, right? That, that just catches everybody's attention and said, "This is how you get joy and peace, and 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 you maintain it." Well, I'm sorry, I don't have that. Um, so the question is, what do we do? Well, I don't think it's, it's a coincidence that in the passage in Colossians we just read that Paul tells us to set our minds. On things that are above. And in our text today, in verse 8, he gives a list of the qualities that Chess just read of the character of God, and he says, Think about these things. In verse 9, right after that, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So, just for a minute to help. The verse that I'm fixing to read, I think, helps a whole lot with this conversation. So I want to go back to Colossians chapter 3. Later in that chapter, Paul writes this. And I want you to listen to the words. They should be very familiar with what we've been talking about today. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, this ought to sound very familiar to all of us, and I hope it does. So, let me try to sum it up. We can, and I pray that each of us will experience the joy and peace of God, but it does not come from looking at ourselves or at our circumstances. It comes when we fix our eyes firmly on Christ. Christ as he is given to us in the word, that's where it happens. It happens in, in your personal Bible studies at home. It happens in, in uh, Bible studies on Wednesday nights, in families' homes, and in, in uh, fellowship halls. But it happens to the greatest extent in the context of the local church right here, what we're doing right now. It happens by the power of the Holy Spirit in the songs we sing, in the prayers we pray, in the word preached and at the Lord's table. It's the word of Christ through the means of grace given to the body of Christ. Now, you might be sitting here saying, man, this is what I've been doing. And the problems keep coming. And I have no joy and peace. And I get it (laughs) because that's me sometimes. But I'll encourage you like this. Keep coming. Keep coming to the well that is Jesus. He tells us. Listen to what he tells us. It's so familiar. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light brothers and sisters, when we do this, when we keep coming to him, this is the promise. The God of peace, he will be with us, and we can rest in that. Amen. Let us stand and state what we believe in the Apostles' Creed.